It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. A lot of people's, a lot of people love Friday. It's their favorite day of the week. I think it's because they go home from work and they have a long weekend, which includes Sunday worship. Well, we are glad you're listening to Fire Away Friday on this Friday, and we pray that God would just bless you and you would have a great, great day and a great weekend. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarland, and it's our treat to be with you. And uh, on Fridays, we do something different than we do on Monday through Thursday, and that is we open up the phone lines for the whole hour, not just the last segment. So today, if you've got your question and you've been wanting to ask that Bible question, you can call 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. Alex and I would love to hear from you. Alex, Friday's one of our favorite days of the week as well, isn't it? Well, it's hard not to like Friday, and we welcome everybody. Alex and Bert here, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, let me start out with a scripture. May I do that? Go right and ahead. I, I want to give I'm going to give one Old Testament and one New Testament, and I see those calls coming in. We're going to get right to your Bible questions, but I think it'd be really good to open up our day with two portions of God's Word from the Old Testament, Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now from the New Testament, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, Bert, it's reason enough to be happy and upbeat because it's Friday. But you know what? To know that the Lord our God is with us, and to know that we don't have fear but love, power, and a sound mind, hey man, I'm getting excited. <laughs> it is. It's amazing. Here's here's the key. God has not left us as orphans. Jesus said, I'm no. going to go away. I'm not going to leave you as orphans, not having a parent. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to come in power, and when he has come He's going to convict the world of sin. He's going to empower you. He's going to be with you always. And so we have that assurance. So I pray that you know Christ. Let me give one more phone number. This is the number you call us to ask questions. But if you do not have that assurance that Jesus Christ is your Savior, that there was a time in your life where you surrendered to him because he died on the cross, and you knew that, he did it for you, he rose again, and by faith, you surrender your life to him and ask him to save you. I want to tell you, if you've never done that, would you do me a favor and call 888-NEED-HIM? 888-NEED-HIM. And talk to those people. They're our partners, and they want to lead you to Christ. And they do that each day. And so if you don't know Christ, get it right and get it right today. That would make Friday even better, Alex. Amen. Amen. Well, the number is 888-589-8840. If you need spiritual help and you're uh, wanting to make sure that you have a relationship with Christ, 1-800-NEED-HIM. But uh, we just thank everybody for listening. It's Fire Away Friday. So, Bert, I'm, I say we go to the calls and we begin to talk with America. How I'm ready. That? I'm ready. Who's our first caller today, Alex? Well, we're going to go to Devin in Iowa. Uh, do I have that name right, Devin? Yes, you do. Yes. Thank you, teachers. Uh, well, my well, bless is, you, and uh, uh, we welcome Iowa to the phone. Thank you much. My question is in the scriptures, and I don't have the references with me, but when, when the Lord gives the people over to their sin or gives them over to judgment, what, and when he's talking about like a specific group or a, a country, at what point does that occur? Is that speaking of uh, the majority of the people? Is it speaking of their government and leadership? Is it speaking of his church? Uh, at, at what point or what constitutes the group of people as giving, you know, giving them over to their sins or to judgment? 
I sure hope it's not just because there's more of them than others. Uh, I'm afraid that there wouldn't be many, many groups left, and I'm not saying that facetiously. Devin, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many go in. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Uh, Alex, let me give you the Gove parable, and, and this is a group. I understand what you're talking about, but people groups in the Bible is a lot different than uh, what we have today. Uh, the way the Bible constitutes of people groups is uh, they have a common language. They have a have a common tradition. A lot of their things are, are right. And we call them people groups today. And uh, the missional people call them, and I do exploring the missions on the weekend, and unreached people groups. And there's a lot of them. But when we talk about boundaries, Alex, exact boundaries like we have today, which are a blessing. A lot of those boundaries are a blessing. Uh, when you look at the Bible times, those boundaries were not quite as definite. And so it may not have been a country, could have been a people group, could have been a city like Sodom and Gomorrah. But that those cities and that groups come in different sizes and different ways, don't they? They, they really do. And, you know, uh, Devin, you ask a really great question. Uh, Romans one twenty eight talks about uh, people groups. Uh, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now, um, J. Harold Smith was a great evangelist years ago. He's in heaven now. He Was it J. Harold Smith, Bert, that preached that sermon, God's Three Deadlines? That's him. That was that was him. And he said there, there's an invisible line in your heart, and you know, if you cross that line, you might have rejected the Lord for the last time. So you don't want to be given up to where you can't hear the Lord anymore. But let, let me do something. We're going to resume the calls. But people groups given up, quote unquote. Uh, Bert, I, I mean, I think it might be geographical, might be circumstantial, might be behavioral, might be theological. Now, let me explain. Geographical. I think about like Haiti that seems to have been under the darkness of voodoo and occultism and uh, really demonic activity for a long time. It just seems like there's a foothold there. And I think there are regions of the world, geographically, where Satan seems to have a foothold. And frankly, I think it would take prayer and fasting to break that bond, Mark 9.26. Then there are circumstantial uh, groups that had the gospel but no longer do, like Syria. The first fully evangelized country about 1900 years ago was Syria. And yet many of the Arabic countries now that once had the gospel, you know, it was lost. I think about behavioral. Uh, Amsterdam. I've been to Amsterdam in the Netherlands, and there's prostitution and drinking and drugs, and it just seems like they're given over to sin. I think about Las Vegas. Not all. I know there are a lot of Christians there, but I mean, they call it Sin City. But then I think about theological, where a worldview. Uh, I think about Germany and the idea they, they had wrong theological beliefs that led to the killing of Jews. So here's the thing. I'm going to say this, Bert, and I'm going to throw it back to you. Truth is, is such a precious commodity. And, and I shudder to think about what America uh, w will turn into if we don't cherish the light we've been given and embrace it fully, the light of the gospel. Because there, there's one way to be saved. There's a whole lot of ways to be lost. Alex, that was great. And, and that's what we're talking about, people groups. And it is difficult sometimes to to identify those. Some of them are easier to identify. Like I would say Haiti was easy to identify. And uh, we don't know where that invisible line that uh, J. Harold Smith, by the way, I got to hear him preach that sermon one time. Did you? I did. I did. He was an evangelist. He came to our area and I got to go and hear it. And he preached it that night. And, and so that line, you, I, let me just share with you. I, I believe Pharaoh, an individual, crosses that line too. Uh, mm -hmm. As you said, it's groups and then it's individuals. When you take the book of Romans chapter 1, you've got to look at it both ways. Individuals that do that and then groups that do that. 
And uh, but an individual that is a leader, Alex, like Pharaoh, uh, and, and others that we could talk about, uh, Adolf Hitler. Uh, when they do that, they usually carry a lot of people with them, and uh, that's yeah. the reason the yeah. Bible talks about praying for those that are in leadership, and we want to do that. Thank you, Devin. Let's go yes. to the next caller, Alex. Well, uh, let's go to Arkansas, and we'll speak with Bruce. Bruce, thank you for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, well, uh, am I on now? You are on, my friend. Hello? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for y'all. Uh, I listen to y'all all the time, and uh, I'm mm-hmm. away from my house today. I'm doing some painting, but anyway, uh, the the thing I had to say was uh, you were talking to a man the other day about in Mark chapter 14, the man that ran away naked. Yes. Okay. Well, I was, uh, at one time, I was reading my Bible, and, and I think it's in Amos chapter 2, verse 16. I don't have my Bible with me, but I think it's right. It it talks about a man. It says, in that day, a man will run away naked. And I was wondering if that was a prophecy for that when that man ran away naked. Okay, it is. You're exactly right. It's Amos 2, 16. And you start hearing some people and different things described. And this is one of those, especially, Bruce, that you hear Alex and I talk about the context see where it's talking about, but I'll just read the first two, 14, 15, before that, Alex, and then you comment. Therefore, flight shall perish from the swift. The strong shall not strengthen his power, nor shall the mighty deliver himself. He shall not stand who handles the bow. The swift of foot shall not deliver himself, nor shall he who rides a horse deliver himself. The most courageous men of might shall flee naked in that day, says the Lord." Alex, if you read that, it's talking about the judgment that is coming. Uh, I would say this. Most of the book of Amos is, right? Uh, it, it seems to be. It seems to be. And, and this is in a group of of warnings about not being able to get away from the judgment of God. Go ahead, Alex. Well, yeah, and let me let me just say this. Thanks, uh, Mark, um, Bruce, for your observation there. I really, this is just me, but I don't equate the Amos 2 with the Mark 14, and I'll tell you why. There's a principle in theological study, and it says similarity does not equal sameness. And what is the similarity? Well, fleeing and naked. But um, I, I think what we've got, it says a warrior will flee naked. Well, John Mark, that was the probable person there in the Mark 14 passage, that he was trying to get away, and they grabbed his outer garment, and it ripped off. Um, He was not a warrior in this context. He did flee, and part, if not all, of his clothes clothes got ripped off. So I would say it's a thing of, it it seems similar, but it's not the same, and I wouldn't wouldn't name the Mark 14 as a prophetic fulfillment of the Amos 2. Would you, Bert? I would not. Again, uh, look at that in Alex well the warrior and uh i will say this about john mark he would become a pretty good warrior for the lord but in in amos time you're talking about a a soldier in a military army not a not just a disciple and a follower of christ but praise the lord john mark would become that though alex he really would Hey, this is Exploring the Word, the Friday edition. We call it Far Away Friday. We're going to take calls for the rest of the hour. And there's room for your call too, friend. 888-589-8840. Call us, 888-589-8840. We're back after this. This is Pause to Pray. A chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Lois Pace, Director of Global Affairs at the Department of Health and Human Services. Her offices foster critical global relationships and provide leadership and expertise in global health diplomacy and policy. Jeremiah 33.6 reminds us of God's blessings of health. Behold, I will bring to it health and healing, and I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Lois Pace as she works to improve global health. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now 
at pausetopray.org. Meeting people's needs? Well, the Bible talks about that a lot. And Dr. Tony Evans says we do too. But just talking about it isn't enough. He has a great illustration to share with us today as we spend two minutes with Tony. There was a professor told his preaching class, I want you to come and I want you to preach on the sermon. All of you are preaching on one sermon, The Good Samaritan. There were five guys in the class. The professor put a homeless guy with a begging cup at the door of the class. The five preachers came into the class and preached their sermon with excellence. After the fifth preacher, he said to all of them, you all failed because if you were paying attention, you would have seen that this is something you do, not just something you say. And I put a man out there to see who was going to stop on their way to the pulpit to meet the need that they were going to preach about. It's one thing to say, I love God. It's a whole nother thing to love somebody in his name. To responsibly, personally, corporately, and collectively declare that we are not just here for ourselves. And if you want God to reset your life so that you begin to live, you cannot come through the door and only say, bless me. Ask God. Who does he want you to see today? Get the fresh start you need to put your faith into action. Check out Tony's CD series, Divine Reset, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here. So glad you're listening. The number is 888-589-8840 if you'd like to call in with a question. And Bert, um, wasn't it an honor back last fall, you and I, after working on it for a year, we were able to put 100 of our questions in book form. came out in October. And um, as much as we love doing the daily live show, and we do, that's our passion to have it in print, some of your questions, and and with God's help, our answers, that was a real honor, wasn't it? It really is and has been. And uh, listen, we're hearing people that, that are reading the book, and it's really helping. It's not one of those books you start at the front and have to go to the back. You can just pick it up on any page and read something, a question someone asks. And uh, people have heard they use it as a reference book, especially when they get to certain scriptures. So thank you for doing that, and we pray that God would just continue to use it for His glory. And I, I believe it's in the AFA store, isn't it? Yeah, you can go to afastore.net, and they can order it. It is right there, a description of it, and you can order it or order several. And uh, some people have done that. So praise the Lord, brother. Well, how about we go to Texas? I saw that uh, arrow blinking uh, by Mark's name. Mark in Texas, welcome to the American Family Radio Network. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Hope you guys are having a good afternoon. You too. I had a, I had a quick question. Um, something that's been on my mind and my heart. Uh, at first, I didn't have the, the Bible verse, but I, I think I pulled it up now. It says in First Corinthians, Corinthians 7, 10, and 11, it talks, uh, it makes reference to that if you get divorced, uh, the Lord only accepts divorce in certain situations. Um, so my question is, I have been divorced years ago, uh, and I've been remarried. And how does the Lord look at uh, you being remarried? I've, the, I've had this discussion with a co-worker, and he's basically told me that I'm living as an adulterer and that I need to divorce my uh, wife. Mm. Mark, wow. You, you, let me just share with you two or three things, and I want Alex to do it. And Alex, I want, I'll save what Dr. Dobson has said because it's so important that people hear that. Uh, 
reasons, but I want to make a go at it a different direction. Mark, the reason this is so important is how important marriage is. And we're living in, and it's been this way for quite a few decades. Uh, we're living in a day when marriage is seemingly thrown away uh, like it really doesn't exist. And it it has become such horribleness because it says God hates divorce. If, if anybody uh, wonders why God says that, he didn't say he hates the divorced person. If anybody wonders why God hates divorce, uh, I could just say they ought to walk in my shoes and as pastor for the yeah. last 40 years and hear the stories, the heartbreak, the pain of the person that is suffering, the children many times that are left horrible, which way to go. I, I just want to take this. Um, the marriage that you're in, the marriage that you're in, this is true for everybody out there. God wants it to work. Now, there may be some biblical reasons for you to get out of that marriage, but you don't have to get the divorce quickly. Give God time, if it's where you can, to see what God can do. And, and Alex, God puts a premium on marriage. That's why the Bible's so filled with that and tells you don't do it because there were some people in the New Testament, man, I, I'm just using this flippantly, but if they if someone burned the biscuits, that's grounds for divorce. You know what I mean? They could do it easily, couldn't they? Yeah, they really could. And and let me just say this: God accepts us where we are as we are. And if anyone, uh, not only yourself, Mark, but uh, anyone feeling conviction that maybe you made uh, decisions in times past that were out of God's will, um, yeah, I, I'm not an advocate, and I. I, I knew Dr. Jerry Falwell, he would say this too, you don't, you can't unscramble an egg. So there's there's no way it really wouldn't serve a good purpose to, um, if you've been with your current spouse for years, to leave that person and try to go back because, you know, situations and people move on. But what you can do, and I believe this, the, the grace of God is so abundant, admit sin, say, God, forgive me, God, restore me. And Bert, like I've heard you say, and you say it so well, the marriage that God wants to fix and strengthen and bless is the marriage that you're in. Now, um, sometimes it takes time, if not years, to forgive ourselves of, of you know, less than ideal decisions we've made and things like that. But um, I do think the church has to lead out in uh, standing for marriage and encouraging people, single people, look, it's, it's you know, the Bible says marriage is honorable in all things, but be careful. Bert, the, the old marriage vows that uh, I've got a hundred-year-old pastoral manual, and it's, you ought to, I'm sure you remember yep. this word, enter into this covenant soberly and advisedly. Yes. Do you remember how... They used to say that. I do. I do. It's Soberly means with a clear mind. Sound Ad judgment, yes. Clear advisedly, mind. you've thought it through. Uh, and so make sure that you're going into it acknowledging that, look, this is God's design. It is a life commitment. And for anyone listening, if, if you've been able to do that, God bless you. If you've not made that life commitment to your spouse as a covenant before God— well, confess it, God forgives, God restores, but um, I would say we need, and it's got to begin in the church, once again, to treat marriage as the sacred oath that it really, really is. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. And, and listen, serve the Lord. Walk in His forgiveness. And if, if there was sin committed in that uh, first marriage and it was wrong, make that second marriage work for the glory of God and walk in his forgiveness and his strength. Terry in North Carolina. Terry, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon. I uh, wanted to ask a question. I've been pondering. I know maybe part of it, but if y'all would take on and I guess the position of Sunday being the day of worship for Christians. I have a friend who's Seventh-day, 
and uh, so we talk and things uh, at work. I know I believe it's in Acts where it says, and they met on the first day of the week. I know we live under grace and are free from the, the law. Uh, I don't know about, if I was in Revelations, what it says when God establishes his kingdom after uh, the rapture and everything take, takes place that uh, worship will somehow mention the Sabbath. I'm not sure about that firsthand. Terry, thank you for your call. Uh, let me, uh, again, I love to make broader statements, and then I love Alex to zero in on them. We, we work pretty good that way. But let me just say, when the Sabbath is, is, was the seventh day. God rested, and it established in creation, and it was continued, would that be a good word, in the law to, to yes. do that. But it really celebrates God's creation. It does. When Jesus came, and he rose again the first day of the week. The church met on that day. Matter of fact, they were meeting on that day, and Jesus met with them on that day in the upper room. And and the two going to Emmaus, God, he met with them. And uh, But I, Alex, you and I have talked about this. A lot of churches, because of the world we live in and the work uh, labor force, they, they have worship on a Saturday uh, you know, and I had mm-hmm. men and women in my church because of their jobs. Most of the time, three of at least three Sundays every month, they were working. They had those jobs they had to, uh, policemen, uh, law enforcement, medical. And, man, they Wednesday night was their time of worship. They came on Wednesday night ready and wanting to meet together with God's people. But Sunday, the first day of the week, that's what they did in the early church. That's just pretty well settled, isn't it? Oh, it is. It really is. The early church worshiped on Sunday, the first day of the week, because that was Resurrection Day. Uh, and in fact, what's very interesting, um, there was a uh, writing by Justin Martyr, was an early Christian. This is about 150 A.D., and he wrote a, a work that was called Dialogue with Trypho. And Trypho was somebody that he was debating and trying to persuade him to be a Christian. And Trypho asked Justin Martyr the question, he said, why do the Christians not worship on the Sabbath? It's very interesting that Trypho was a Jew. He says, why do professing Gentiles and Christians not observe the Sabbath? So Justin Martyr wrote this. He he said, well, uh, you know... um, Exodus 31, 16 and 17 says, Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath for every generation. And Justin Martyr said, Well, for one thing, the born-again Christians are not, quote, the children of Israel. And then he quoted Colossians 2, 16 that says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holiday or new moon or Sabbath days. Now, the reason I'm sharing all this is because the early church, and it, it was referenced in Acts, they worshiped on Sunday because that was Resurrection Day. Also, the law was fulfilled in Jesus, and if you're in Christ, you have fulfilled the law. And so uh, also we get from the Roman emperors that were persecuting the church. One of the Roman writers, just a few decades after Jesus, said that the Christians arise a great while before day on Sunday and sing hymns to Christ as to God. So, Bert, from time immemorial, Christians, followers of Jesus, have worshiped on Sunday. Now, here in America, I'll say this, we've got to move on. After the Second Great Awakening in the 19th century, there was the push to add Saturday worship back to the gospel of grace in Jesus. Um, If you want to have church on Saturday, God bless you, but don't make that a part of the plan of salvation. Salvation is by grace, through faith, plus nothing, minus nothing. And uh, Bert, I just find it hard to believe that we in the last 200 years have something right that the early Christians who were physically with Jesus uh, had wrong. You know, I think that's it a, is. probably Let, a stretch to amen. assume that. Good word, Alex. Let me just say this. W- listen, we've got enough on our plate without making that 
a bigger issue. Uh, if if you worship on Saturday and praise the Lord, you're worshiping. But again, Alex, it's not part. It's not part of salvation. It shouldn't be. And and we better be careful in the days in which we live that that we don't make some of these things. And I, I'm going to quote him again, and I've quoted him one time this week, but I hadn't found anybody better to quote on this. And I'm not saying these things are not vital and important, but don't kill the mice while the lions are taking the land. And, uh, you, Alex, you catch what my thought heart is there? I mean, yeah, yeah. it is Sunday worship. It recognizes the resurrection, but don't. Don't bring that in to, okay, can't have fellowship with you. You must not be saved. You're not worshiping on the right day. Are you worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ? Has he come into your life? Have you trusted him? Make that the hallmark of your faith. Amen. Good word. Good word. Okay, Tyrone in Oklahoma. Tyrone, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, Yeah, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, and I, I, with you, I was just talking about tradition, and I've been trying to get in t- contact with you guys since Christmas about this. Seems like that's an ongoing thing about tradition, and 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 it's hard to get people to do stuff on Christmas anymore because even when you talk to every person, they talk about like Christmas is a pagan holiday, you know, and they don't want to even sing songs and oh, we don't celebrate Christmas. But to me, Christ was born on a certain day, but they say because it's not the exact day that it's a pagan holiday. But Christ is a living God. Christ is not a wooden uh, God that has no boards of mouth. He was born on that day. And, and, and like I look at like this, 400 years without a word from God, we should be celebrating his birth, you know, and we had to fight for that because they wanted us not even say Merry Christmas. Amen, Tyrone. Thank you for your call. Brother, you've answered your question. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You really have, and you're standing in good. I thought of this, Alex. See what you think about it. Okay, uh, you know, April the 1st is called April Fool's Day. Right. Okay, if you were born on April the 1st and you celebrated your birthday on April the 1st, oh, wow, I I don't know about that. Oh, your birthday's uh, on uh, October the 31st. Halloween. Oh, no, you can't do Listen, go back to that scripture you read in Colossians about the days. And yes. uh, it's a celebration of the birth of Christ. And uh, let's, let's celebrate it and make it a big deal. But what was that scripture in Colossians you read earlier about the Sabbath days and holy days? Uh, I think it was Colossians 2.16 That's that it. says, Let no man, you know, respect you or disrespect you and light of uh, new moons or Sabbaths or holy days. Um, let me pull this up here. Colossians 2.16. That's it. And and that is, listen, people, I, I want to say it again. Sort of like I said about the Sabbath, we, we've got a lot bigger fish to fry out. Do you, you am, I, am I making too light of that answer? No, I think, you, I think you're right. And, you know, we get this call all the time that, look, um, the, the early Christians did commemorate the birth of the Savior on a date, actually a period of December that had been used for paganism. But here's the thing. For one thing, we've got a one out of 365 chance of being correct on the day of Christ's birth. That's that's not bad odds. That's not. (laughs) But, But here's the thing. Any day of the week has had sin in it, reclaiming it for the Savior, nothing wrong with that. Hey, Exploring the Word is going to be back. We've got a brief break. We'll get more of your calls, 888-589-8840. We'll do our best to get your calls and questions after this brief break. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true, and if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at AFA.net. Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch 
for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there. When the wicked rule, the people groan. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security has just released its National Terrorism Advisory Bulletin. In it, the first key factor contributing to the current heightened threat environment was widespread online proliferation of false or misleading narratives regarding unsubstantiated widespread election fraud and COVID-19. Grievances associated with these themes inspired violent extremist attacks during 2021. You remember that violent attack perpetrated by people who refused to join Anthony Fauci and the Branch Covidians, right? Yeah, me neither. Look, our government sucking up to communist China has morphed into it wanting to be China. Political disagreement has officially been deemed by our government as a terror threat. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Jesus said to his friend Martha in Luke chapter 10, verse 41, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Novelist Nora Roberts was asked how she balanced work and family. She said it's like juggling. Some of the balls you're juggling are plastic and some are glass. She said if you drop a plastic ball, no big deal. It just bounces. You can pick it up. But if you drop a glass ball, it shatters. Martha was so busy that she might have missed Jesus. The most precious thing in our lives is our relationship with Him, our fellowship with Him, our knowledge of Him, and our growth in Him. Other things can be dropped and picked back up, but if you drop Jesus, you'll miss the most important thing in your life. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. I just want to say a word. If you're in Northeast Mississippi this Sunday, uh, I'll be at First Baptist Church, Baldwin, Mississippi. I'll be preaching there. I'm interim pastor there. I am enjoying that. God's is doing a work in my life there as well. And uh, it starts at 9.30. We would invite you to come. If you are looking for a church home in this area, uh, it'd be a good place to come. And Alex, you and I just really enjoy preaching the Word of God in different places and different people, don't we? Well, we really do. And uh, let me encourage people, please go to my website, alexmcfarland.com, to my calendar. I've got a lot of places all over the country where I'm going to be over the next two months. But just a couple of things right quick. Uh, July 8th through 10, I'm going to be at The Cove, the Billy Graham Training Center in Western North Carolina, The Cove. I'm going to be teaching First Peter all about apologetics, defending the Christian faith. And it's always, uh, Bert, we always have a lot of people that are AFA listeners. And it's kind of a homecoming time of fellowship, prayer, just being together. It'll be a great time. If you've never been to The Cove, July 8th through 10, if you go to their website, thecove.org, and just uh, search for my name, it'll be a really good time. We've got a whole lot of other things coming up as well, so uh, I just want to say thanks for your support as Bert and I are on the road preaching, and especially thanks for your support of AFA Radio and Every Day Exploring the Word is on. So, uh, What an honor to know the Lord and serve the Lord at this time. Amen. Hey, let's do it, and let's be faithful all the way to the end. Let's go to our callers. We've got some on the board. We're going to try to get to all of you today. Alex, we're to first. Mississippi, and we're talking with Dee. Dee, welcome to the program. Thank you. Um, I want to ask a question and then hang up and listen. I think it's in Matthew, but I'm not certain, but it says pray that your light be not on the Sabbath or in the winter. Is that referring to maybe when the return would happen, or is that concerning Christ's return? I just would like to know your opinion on that. Okay, thank you, Dee. 
Alex, I've always, when I've looked at it and I've uh, studied it, it seems, again, what we try to do, and, and we bring this up quite a bit because we're not just interested in answering your questions. We would want to do that, but we want you to get in there and have the ability to, to do it, and, and part of what we do is to say this is how uh, we, Alex and I have been taught, and we found out that it works to be able to look at Scripture and give it the way it was given. Alex, I, I, if, when you read that, it sounds like it's in future tense, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. This is Matthew twenty four twenty actually, and it's talking about, you know, during during the tribulation time, there are going to be a lot of Jews that get saved. And during this tribulation time, you know, imagine being... Um, a Jewish person, and you understand things, you get saved, the only safe zone is going to be in the mountains, really. And Jesus said, you know, of those that are alive at that time, pray that your flight not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Now, Bert, I've, I've thought about this because it does seem rather unusual, but here's the thing. Fighting for your life, running to hide from the the minions of the Antichrist. In the winter, that would be very brutal and harsh. And by the way, yes, in the Holy Land, it does snow. There's snow in the Middle East. The other thing, on on a Sabbath, let's say you're trying to get somewhere and hide on a Sabbath, getting uh, fellow Jews to help you, pious Jews that were observant on a Sabbath, that would be hard, wouldn't it? And so uh, I think there's a warning, be saved, Walk with the Lord, because even though there will be some people saved during the tribulation, merely trying to stay alive and fight for their fight for their survival is going to be a very difficult uh, season. There's a passage in Second Timothy when Paul was writing to Timothy, and, and this winter it lets you know something. And this was just practical. He said, "Do your best to come before winter." It's in Second Timothy chapter four, verse twenty-one. He knew the time was approaching. And he said, bring the cloak. Uh, I mean, it, he probably had was taken in a hurry when he was arrested in his clothes, especially the warmth was left. And so uh, the Bible, all the way through it, makes much about winter being a difficult time, Alex. And I believe Matthew 24, it is talking about that. Eschatology, talking about the tribulation. But it was interesting that Paul would say that to Timothy. Do your best to come before winter. Before it gets too cold, you know, before I die. Yeah. Because he wanted to also to bring the parchments. Uh, yeah. That was the scriptures that no doubt that he had received, maybe some of them that he had written and had copies of. And yeah. he said, come before winter. Amen. Well, we're going to go to Texas. Marianne in Texas, thanks for holding. Welcome to the program. Hello. Uh, yes, I first wanted to say thank you for your program. I really learn a lot and enjoy it. I, got, I get to listen to it a lot of the time. Um, my question is about um, the book of Revelation. Um, and I've heard people say that don't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, that the book of Revelation is not in chronological order. And I guess because they say that uh, after well, people that do believe in, in the pre-tribulation rapture believe that or say that after chapter three that that's when the church is gone, and that's what I understand it to seem too. So that's what I was just wondering if that is true that the book of Revelation is not chronological. Uh, thank you for your great call, Marianne. Let me give you this, Alex, and then you finish it on out. When you start reading about the judgments and you come to the seals and you come to the, uh, the trumpets, the seventh one opens up the seal. In that way, it seems like it's in chronological order. You, you catch what I'm saying? Because you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven uh, seals, and the seventh seal brings in the seven trumpets, which mm -hmm. would be in what? You know, proceeding order or chronological yeah. order, wouldn't it? Uh, exactly. And and let me say that, granted, uh, the book of Revelation and Bible prophecy in general is very complex, isn't it, Bert? I mean, we, we know, and, and I want to say, here's the point of orthodoxy on which we all agree. The Lord is coming back. Jesus literally, physically, actually, mark it down, Jesus is coming back. And the evil world systems that are, are arrayed against God and truth 
and morality will one day be vanquished. All true Christians agree on that. Now, within Christendom, there are some different understandings. Um, I actually do think the book of Revelation is in chronological order. Now, it seems a little tough because the, the first three chapters, as the caller alluded to, the seven churches of Asia Minor, the, that was past. Now, it seems to me that chapters 4 through 20 are future. They've not happened yet, and they do seem to elapse, you know, rather chronologically, Bert, um, and, you know, there, there's, there's seals, and there's trumpets, and there's bowls, uh, and ultimately things coalesce, and there's the Battle of Armageddon, and there's a thousand-year millennia of peace on earth, and then eternity proper is ushered in. Now, I've, I've got to give a little bit of wiggle room, because there, there seems to be things that are very hard to understand, and how do you factor in Daniel and Ezekiel? I can't say I completely understand it. You and I, on a couple of occasions over the last 12 years, have tried to teach through Daniel and Revelation, um, but I, I actually think, complex as, as it is, the simplest way to try to understand it is to understand Revelation 4 through 20 in a future sense, in a sequential sense, and as a, as a literal sense, Bert. I agree, and let me just, I, I thought of this while you were answering that question. You know, they asked Jesus when would the time be when he would come back, and he said, the angels don't know. He said, I haven't even, I know only my Father who's in heaven. With that in mind, with his return and not knowing exactly when he'd return and it, God knows, Alex, there's a little bit of unknown in all this. That's, yeah. okay, that. Same way with my salvation. I know I'm saved. I, I can read the redemption. I can read. But yet at the same time, that mystery of the Holy Spirit convicting me, the mystery of him using the word of God to draw me, uh, there's some mystery all about the Lord. It doesn't mean you can't know him. But how can you know him in his complete fullness? No, you can't. And, and I have that little bit of opinion about eschatology. Uh, and, and we're trying to divide it up as best we can according to the, the Scriptures. And, and so don't let the little bit of the unknown and a little bit of the disagreement about when it, this, what you said, Alex, is so important. He is coming back, and we'll agree to that. Agree on that, and then, let, you know, have grace with other folks that may not agree completely with you. So Amen. Thank, thank you, Mary Ann, for your question. Charles in Oklahoma. Charles, welcome to the program. Thanks for holding. Thank you, sir. It's good to talk to you, and God bless you all. And to you, I too. have a question about entering into God's rest. I have heard uh, many things, like I'm sure most people have, like you were talking a little earlier about sometimes you hear things that sound the same, and they're actually not, don't have anything to do with each other. I have heard that we cannot fully enter into God's rest until Jesus returns. Is this true? Okay. When you get into God's rest, you're really talking a lot about the book of Hebrews, entering into his rest. Chapter 4, I've underlined all the times the word rest is used, Alex, and I've, I, I ran out of fingers. <laughs> okay. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? But I— the what is it? God's rest. It is it. I think you got to go to the. You got to go to creation to understand a little bit of it. You got to go to the Sabbath rest a little bit of it, and then you go to His rest that He gives to. Would you call it salvation rest, Alex? Complete. Uh, you know what I'm yeah. saying. I'm trying to use that well, word as it's used throughout yeah. Scripture, and it seems to expand into a. Not it's more than a relationship and fellowship, isn't it? It's it's a little deeper, seems like. Well, this is such a, a prime illustration of how Israel's wanderings in the Old Testament and then of eventually getting to Canaan land is very pictorial of the Christian life and then ultimately going to heaven. Okay, the phrase they shall not enter into my rest is found in Numbers fourteen, twenty one through twenty four. And Hebrews 3.11 uses this phrase about entering into God's rest, Hebrews 4.3, Now we who have believed 
have entered into that rest. Now, Psalm 95, 11 references this. Let, let me just say, the, the rest, R-E-S-T, of Jesus is, is, I believe, twofold. Knowing the Lord here and going to heaven after we leave this life. Okay, If you're in Christ, you are in the perpetual Sabbath because he's the Lord of the Sabbath. You are into the, the rest, the peace of God, but you're going to be in heaven uh, when you die and leave this world, and you'll be in that eternal rest, secure with Christ forever. Bert, just as Israel, for 40 years, they wandered in the desert, and there were good times, bad times, mountaintops, valleys. That's like the, the Christian life down here. I mean, even a born-again person. Israel, they were the called-out people of God, even though they wandered in the wilderness. Right. We, the believer, we are the children of God, even though this journey down here sometimes is is uh, pretty rigorous. It is. We have a present rest, and it makes me think of that sh- uh, ship in the middle of the storm. Jesus is there, but there was still, you know, it was still in the world. But there's a future rest when he's going to wipe away all the tears, all disease. Uh, make sure you're ready for that future rest. Thank you, Charles. Um, how about uh, Texas? Is it uh, Devon in Texas? Uh, yes. Good afternoon, brothers. Uh, God bless. Uh, just yes. A quick question. Um, in regards to Ephesians 6 through 12, would it be right to assume that, in, in this, especially in this day and age, that uh, God has given us a, a full seven-piece uh, armor with uh, the first five being defenses against the, the devil and the evil spirits now, but the two, uh, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and and most people don't highlight, but the second thing he, he quotes is uh, praying always in supplication in spirit. It, would it be right to assume that those are two weapons that God that have given us, and we should highlight those things, especially now in this day and age, and what you guys do so well on this show is teaching mm. in the Word of God, and then, of course, we need to pray always uh, for what's going on, for if we want to see change, and we have to lift God up. So that was a quick question. It's been a while since I've heard from you guys. I listen every day, though, still. Thank you, Devon. Listen, I just got one thing to say. Praise the Lord and keep going. You did it, man. That is our offensive weapons, and it was good then, and it's good now, Alex. Oh, yeah. I want to encourage people to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, and depending on how you count, there's at least seven, at least six and maybe seven, uh, like uh, Devon said, and my friend, you said it well. Uh, You get an A-plus for the day. Uh, and I love the, I think, the greatest part of it all, verse 18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Be alert, keep this mind, keep praying for the Lord's people. Yes, we have the armor of God. We are a, if, if you're a believer, you're a well-fitted, well-equipped soldier ready to be victorious in your walk and fight for Christ. Let's go, uh, I think we can get it in hey. if we hurry, Frank in Kentucky. Hi there. Thank you, brothers. Uh, I just wanted to ask you a question. Uh, well, we'll make a statement as well. Uh, Jesus died, and uh, you used to hear that Jesus died and went to, went to the grave before he rose. That's hey, true. Frank, forgive me. i got to jump in here. We're almost out of time, brother. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He who knew no sin became sin for us. All of our guilt was put on Jesus. And my friend, whoever you are, if you call out to Christ... You are completely washed clean if you've put your faith in Jesus. Frank, I I beg forgiveness. Call back next week, and we're going to try to give you adequate time, my friend. Frank, thank you again. Alex, it's been great. We're going to continue in the book of Proverbs. Matter of fact, uh, we're going to finish up the book of Proverbs next week. You don't want to miss it. And all, all you men need to be listening when we get to Proverbs 31. Look what a good wife is, don't they, Alex? Amen. <laughs> hey, folks, do this. Be in church on Sunday and try to bring somebody under the sound of the gospel. Thanks for listening. May God bless you in all things. All things. <laughs>